You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us now open the Word of God. First of all, in a gospel according to John, chapter 17. We'll read the verses 1 through to 19. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified." And then we turn to the book of Acts and also read how the Lord left his disciples and ascended to heaven. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Uh, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men 
and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked them, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This afternoon I may proclaim to you the word of God as it is summarized in Lord's Day 18 of the Heidelberg Catechism. What do you confess when you say he ascended into heaven? That Christ before the eyes of his disciples was taken up from the earth into heaven and that he is there for our benefit until he comes again to judge the living and the dead. Is Christ then not with us until the end of the world as he has promised us? Christ is true man and true God. With respect to his human nature, he is no longer on earth, but with respect to his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. But are the two natures in Christ not separated from each other if his human nature is not present wherever his divinity is? Not at all. For his divinity has no limits and is present everywhere. So it must follow that his divinity is indeed beyond the human nature which he has taken on and nevertheless is within this human nature and remains personally united with it. How does Christ's ascension into heaven benefit us? First, he is our advocate in heaven before his Father. Second, we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Third, he sends us his spirit as a counter-pledge, by whose power we seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and not the things that are on earth. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, God's people here on earth, the church of Jesus Christ, is often going through very difficult times. 
in many parts of the world, believers are persecuted because they confess the name of Jesus Christ. Families are torn apart because of their faith. They're deprived of the basics they need to live. Other parts of the world are slowly but surely being secularized. Beautiful, large church buildings are being converted to warehouses because people no longer come together to worship the Lord. But they've turned to false religions or they just purely live for themselves, enjoying the pleasures in the secular temples the temples of Memon and what have you. In our nation, we see an increasing pressure, uh, pressure to eliminate all things that remind us of our Christian heritage and the values taught us by God himself, the sovereign ruler also of our nation, Canada. And then there are those areas where the churches live in great divisions, where many do not really care about the full truth, but choose to make churches of their own choice and their own liking, adapting values, following secular trends popular in our days in society. And the devil is laughing. And the world is smiling at the decline of Christianity and the decrease of committed Christians. Does the church still have a future? Will the believers be able to resist all these developments, all these movements that are out to destroy them and undermine the truth? Are we going to see such a blending of the church and the worlds of the true and the false church that all their strength will be drained away and the truth diluted beyond recognition? Brothers and sisters, I may proclaim to you that the church's future is most secure. It is anchored in Jesus Christ. We may speak about his ascension this afternoon, about his exaltation. He who is the head of the church, who said that he will always be with us, who sent us his pledges that the glory that he had received from the Father, that we heard him pray for, that that glory will be shared by all those who truly believe in him. And he now continues his redeeming work from heaven. And he will not rest until the whole church is and shows itself to be the church triumphant. That is your firm confidence. That is our assurance no matter what may happen to us while we are here on earth. We must seek the things that are above, that come from above, where Christ is. We must set our minds and not to be, and not to be too busy with the earthly things, but remember Jesus Christ, the ascended Lord, 
who is busy bringing all things to their final destiny, reuniting heaven and earth. And that we may celebrate as we remember the ascension of the Lord into heaven and what it all means for us, his people here on earth. I preach to you as the theme that Christ ascended into heaven for our benefit. We will see first Christ's absence, secondly Christ's presence, and thirdly Christ's pledges. So first of all then, Christ's absence. Now the disciples of Jesus experienced many incredible things in a few years that they spent as close followers of Jesus. Those three years of their lives they would never forget. And they would keep talking and witnessing about them for the rest of their lives. Especially at the end of this period, such great astonishing and most unexpected events happens. Most difficult for anyone to believe. There was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And after having been with them for another 40 days, they actually saw him ascending into heaven. All things that, just humanly speaking, couldn't happen. That contradicts any logic. And then only ten days later, that strange happening of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and all the signs that accompanied it. Surely, they could have known. They should have known. Had Jesus not foretold all these things. But let's not be too harsh on the disciples. I think that we will also have many surprises yet about the things that are going to happen. And sure, the Lord also prepared us in many ways. He told us about it in the Bible. But hearing it and comprehending it are two things. Reading about it and really expecting it is not the same either. And we must also constantly Pray the Lord to guide us in the truth. Pray for the guidance and the illumination of the Holy Spirit so that we will not draw our own wrong conclusions from what the Lord has told us. We must pray that we will not be blind nor deaf. Now the disciples were not the least prepared for his ascension. He had promised them that in a few days they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they could have concluded that this would mean that Jesus would leave them very soon. He had said so. In John 16, he said that he would leave them and then another comforter would come, the Holy Spirit. But they did not clue in. On the contrary... They thought that maybe now things are going to happen which did not materialize earlier when they wanted to make him king. 
And so they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But then the Lord tells them that it is not for them to know the times or dates the Father has set, but that they, after receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. I won't be here. You are going to be my witnesses. The restoration of the kingdom of Israel will come through your witnessing and my absence. And at that point, Jesus was taken up before the very eyes, higher and higher, until a cloud hid them from their sight. And as they kept staring up in the sky as if they expected to see him again or come down again, two angels appeared instead and asked them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. He has been taken from you. In his human nature, he is no longer one of you on earth. He is absent here on earth in his body. But there's not a loss. There's not a step back, but rather it's a giant leap ahead in the restoration and coming of the kingdom. Why is Jesus absent on earth? Because his work here on earth was done. His state of humiliation is over. The Father has now exalted and glorified him as the mediator, as the redeemer and head of the church. It's a further declaration from God the Father that all is now well and that heaven is open again for humans. Jesus Christ ascended into heaven in his human nature. It is the Father's doing by taking him up into heaven as well as Christ's own triumphant entry into heaven. He ascended into heaven. Just like we read about the resurrection, Christ arising from the dead, but also being raised from the dead. Jesus came to earth from heaven for a time to be the suffering servant, to do here on earth what we all fail to do. But now his work is done. His absence here on earth is clear evidence that his work here is completed. He returned to heaven and will there continue to do his glorious work of making a new creation out of people who were condemned to death, out of an earth which was cursed. But in order for this to be accomplished, he must be absent from the earth, for Jesus does not belong here. His home is in heaven, and from his heavenly throne, 
at the right hand of God the Father, he will continue to do the redeeming work until heaven and earth will be one. His absence now is our gain and our guarantee that we as his members will also be triumphant as we will see further on. Secondly, we'll speak about Christ's presence, how he is present. Now, Lord's Day 18, in the way it speaks about the ascension of the Lord, is a reflection of the controversies the church dealt with at the time of the Reformation, mainly with the Lutherans. The Lutherans believed that Christ's ascension was the end of his human bodily nature of those 33 years. They do not believe that the same human body of Christ is in heaven, but that at the time of ascension it took on divine characteristics so that it became omnipresent, present everywhere, in heaven and on earth, like, yeah, like water can be change into a vapor. By the way, this is also why they could teach that Jesus' body and blood were present in the bread and the wine at the Holy Supper. But now the question is, did Christ not promise that he would be with us till the end of the world? When he said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And it is on account of this controversy that we have question and answer 47 and 48 in this Lord's Day. And why so much more attention is given to the fact of his ascension than his resurrection in the previous Lord's Day. We maintain here in the Catechism, that Christ's human nature is no longer here on earth in any shape or form. It's not buried somewhere. Christ did not shed his human nature in order to enter heaven. Neither did his human nature have to take on divine characteristics, become a spirit, but heaven is open for him and us as humans. And behind all these issues is also the background of Greek philosophy that this material, this mortal life here on earth is inferior to the spiritual heavenly life. But the Bible never speaks in those terms. There's nothing wrong with God's wonderful creation. There's nothing wrong the way God created the human body, the human nature. It was good enough and fit for the Son of God to dwell in and also to ascend into heaven. It is sin that is deplored. Sin is rejected. Sin that makes us inferior. But without sin, heaven and earth can become one. Heaven is open also for us in our physical existence. The Bible speaks about a literal ascension and also speaks about us having our flesh in heaven now. 
Now, does that leave us orphans here on earth, separated from Christ, separated from our head? Oh, sometimes we may feel that way as churches when we see what is all happening to his people throughout the world. And sometimes in your own life you may wonder, like David did so many times in the Psalms, where is our Lord? Where is his promise that he would always be there for us? Are we not often left with the feeling that we have to fend for ourselves? Not at all, brothers and sisters. For we may confess that with respect to his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. As he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. As he did by sending us another comforter. He is always with you in his divine nature. And that is even much greater than if he would be in our midst here in his human nature. Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you, is never far away. He's always there for you, in his divinity, in his majesty. Think of that famous and well-known poem about the footprints. That is a reality. He is with you at your side at all times. Yes, he will even carry you to keep you from harm. His grace is always there for you. He's never absent. He is always there to forgive. Always there to allow you to make a new start. There's no busy signal. There's no waiting time in emergencies. But the Lord and His grace are always there for you. Exactly because He ascended into heaven. Because that means that His redeeming work is accomplished means that all your sins are paid for, that you can count on your Father's love, and that Christ has the right to now to shower you with His grace and mercy from heaven above. His Spirit is never absent from us. That power connection is always there. That same Spirit that lived in Christ and enabled him to be faithful servant while on earth, is now always with you and within you to guide you in the same way as your Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, never absent from us. Maybe we should think about that a bit more than we do. It's so easy to think that we are on our own when you're out there taking your place in the world, when you're on the job, on to college or university, in your own room, in your own apartment. He is always there. So easy to begin to think that what happens in our homes, in our families, in our bedrooms is private. Others don't know about it. Yet we know he is never absent from us. 
So easy to think of the church as being a human affair, similar to any other society or gathering, and that we have to stand up for our own rights. We have to preserve, defend, and increase the church. He is always there in his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit. When we face severe struggles and temptations in our lives, it is so easy to, to feel forsaken. Where is now my God? Does the Lord really, really care about me? Is he really there in my life? He's never absent from us. There's a tendency, especially towards the end of the year, when Christmas comes closer, there's the tendency to draw Jesus down to earth again. Many still cherish a baby in a manger. They want to stop at the manger because Jesus seems so much closer to us there, one of us. But we have not lost any of his presence. Rather, we have received much, much more. Jesus Christ, who is still our mediator, still one of us, is now physically in heaven. But in so many other ways, he's very present, very close, no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances may be. Thirdly, we'll speak about the pledges that Christ gave. For he has pledged that this close unity will remain until he returns. The last question, as summarized, was the benefits of Christ's ascension. Now, if one thing becomes clear, it is that Christ is in heaven for us. First, we confess he is our advocate in heaven before his Father. Now, an advocate is one who speaks and pleads for you. And we heard how Jesus does this uh, in his high priestly prayer, as we heard it in John 17. We heard how the Christ speaks to the Father for us. And he's concerned about you. He's concerned about what we are going through while we remain in this world. When he says, Father, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them by the truth. Brothers and sisters, that is how Jesus speaks and pleads for you. Even before he gave his life, now he speaks to the Father on the basis of the accomplished sacrifice. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Think about all those words of Jesus to assure you what great a blessing it is that he is your advocate.
if that is how Jesus prays for you, what can really go wrong in your life? Elsewhere we read that the Holy Spirit also intercedes for you. Christ's ascension also pledges to us the close unity there is between him and us. A unity that cannot be broken. There's a pledge and a counter-pledge, almost like an exchange of rings uh, between the bridegroom and the bride at the wedding. It says, we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he, our head, will also take us, his members, unto himself. As he prayed, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. He has our flesh, our body. Our flesh is in heaven. Yes, our head is in heaven. And that is the surest pledge that the rest, the members, will also be drawn up to him. He did not leave his body behind, but he took it along as a sure pledge that he will take us up as well. His ascension is the beginning of our ascension. But it's also something, or rather someone, from heaven here on earth, a counter-pledge, the other ring. He sent his spirit down to earth, and that spirit dwelling in our hearts makes sure that we do not forget Jesus Christ in heaven, but by his power we seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and not the things that are here on earth. Now, that is not the same as stargazing. But seeking what is above is doing Christ's work here on earth. Looking for strength and courage from above. Letting the head, indeed, rule the body. Living the new life that Jesus Christ grants you. The renewing work from the Holy Spirit. Counting on Jesus Christ. All the time. See, that is seeking the things that are above. Seeking the things that are on the earth is counting on yourself. Acting as if it all depended on us and our resources, which we can muster here on earth. Relying on your own insight and not seeing any further than the things of this earth. But the Holy Spirit fills us with that power that we seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, with authority to rule heaven and earth, and leading it all to the glorious destiny the Father has set for us. Brothers and sisters, in principle, heaven and earth are one again. And therefore, we will see the new Jerusalem coming down and God dwelling amongst his people. That's what this pledge and this counter-pledge guarantee. It's a heavenly guarantee that there will be a complete reunion between heaven and earth. Count on Jesus Christ. Remember his pledges. And you know that he will never let you down. 
After all, he gave his life for you, members of his own body. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.